what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know who it is. This is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast, brought to you by MSOTD Rocks, where rock and metal thrive. And here we are interviewing all the emerging bands in rock and metal today and all their subgenre because by the end of the decade, these are going to be the biggest bands in the world and you're going to be the ones why I know about them. So why not get in with them now before they, you know, completely blow up and you can be like, ha 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 ha, my friends. I knew about them before you did. And I've got another incredible band because this one comes from the other side of the world. Well, for me, at least this comes all the way from Melbourne, Australia, where we're interviewing a musician that has been in the scene for over 20 years and has started another new project called Wicked Smile. So if you guys like bands like Dio, Judas Priest, um, Skid Row, and Iron Maiden, this is definitely a band you're going to want to get in the know. They're called Wicked Smile, and their guitarist, Stevie, joins the show. And we talk about a bunch of things from the beginnings of Wicked Smile to just overall music theory in a way. And then also we talk about music today and how certain people are trying to game the system. But however, quality will always come out on top and honesty will always come out on top. So fasten your seatbelts because this is a great one to listen to. So please welcome Stevie Janevsky. The only reason I knew how to say this because, well, my mom's side of the family is Polish, so I know the skis. So are you guys ready? Because I know I am. So let's go. Yeah. Woo. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Core Progression Podcast, I've got a band coming away from the other side of the world because I got an email from the band. I, I don't know who it was. Apparently, it was the person we're talking to, their daughter, sent me an email regarding their latest single, which came out on October 2nd. I took a listen to it. I thought, you know what? Let's fire an email back. Let's see if we can get them on the podcast. And bing, bang, boom, here we go. So, everyone, please welcome Stevie from the band Wicked Smile to the podcast. So, Stevie, welcome to Core Progression Podcast. Thank you, man. Cheers. And uh, I appreciate that big, uh, the hype. I hope uh, I do okay after that big uh, leading. <laughs> oh, 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 don't worry. You will do just fine. I always get that from the start, kind of like, okay, hope we do everything fine. But you know what? Everything's just so free flowing on this podcast that, trust me, there'll be times where I screw up on certain things and I'll just call myself out for it. So uh, we're good, good to go. It's all good. Cool. Cheers. Alrighty. So uh, before we really get started, I always start by asking this because I always love to hear what the answers are. So Stevie, I want you to introduce yourself with what your name is, the band you're in, what you do in the band. And then of course, my favorite thing, we're going to go all the way back to like when you were in middle school, high school, in college, like that welcome week kind of thing. A little fun fact about yourself. I want to find the wackiest thing that you have. I've heard people tell me their famous like YouTube stories when they were a YouTube drummer famous in Sweden before PewDiePie was a thing. Um, for the younger kids, some band gave me their whole entire Tinder bio. That was wacky. So I'm always wow. curious to hear what you got. So Stevie, take it away. Okay. Yeah, my name's uh, Stevie Janevsky, and I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I play guitar in a band called Wicked Smile that I formed about a year ago. Um, so we're a new band. So it was formed in 2019. I have played in many, many bands uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, basically, we've uh, been working towards uh, just getting our Wicked Smile music out there. So I've concentrated on a lot of songwriting and stuff. And uh, finally, um, I'm really happy to get the material out there. So, yeah, that's pretty much uh, where things are at right now with uh, me. I will say that living in Melbourne, Australia has actually been pretty hard recently, man, in terms of 
we've been in hard lockdown due to COVID and stuff. So it's been about seven or eight months that we've predominantly been at home. And uh, apart from the one hour grocery store, uh, store visit, you know, that's that's been our life. So we've gone through our winter, obviously being on opposite sides of the world. So uh, hopefully we're getting close to being released. Doesn't that sound weird? Um, yeah. It does sound weird. Uh, what's the, at, at this moment right now, do you know what the total amount of like confirmed cases are in your area? Right now it's, uh, we're doing pretty, pretty well. We're at, I think about, it's been hovering about 15 cases per day in Melbourne where um, in the city I live in. So I think the aim is to get it under or around about five and then we can uh, ease restrictions. But things kind of went out of control for a little bit about three, four months ago where they uh, thought they had a good handle on things and it just, it became a mess. And so it's been been yeah, quite challenging. So everyone's wearing a mask all the time, wherever you go, even if you go out to walk you know, your dog, uh, it's pretty full on and you get fined big time if you don't have one. So yeah, they uh, definitely have worked hard to try and get things back in control. I mean, compared to where I am right now, it seems like you guys have it under total control with only having 15 new cases on average a day to where the state that I live in here in the United States, we're average, we just, um, at the time we're recording this episode, the other day, we just topped 3,000 cases confirmed in one day. Wow, yeah. I know here it got up to about maybe 1,500, 2,000. So they've, they've really worked hard to try and get it down. So And they've done they've done well, but it is what it is. So where, where are you at, Kim? I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Happy days. Yep. Hey, someone knows about Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm happy about that. <laughs> Good stuff. Because um, I'll say usually when I have to describe it to people, because last year I was overseas. I was in uh, Croatia for a couple of days, and I was in Amsterdam for a little bit. When I'm there, everyone's like, "Okay, where are you from?" From Milwaukee, everyone's like, "Where is that?" I'm like, "Okay, how do I start to answer this question?" And my default was, "I'm about an hour and a half hour drive north of Chicago." So everyone kind of knows where Chicago is. Then I found out I'm in Croatia. And everyone loves basketball over there. So I had to say was, you guys know Giannis Antetokounmpo? Yeah. Where the team that he plays for in the NBA, that's that's where I live. Right. Is that a, is that your background? Is that why you went to Croatia? Or? Um, no, I went to Croatia last year because the band 30 Seconds to Mars was having a huge thing out there. And they did something previous the year beforehand in California that I went to. And a couple oh. people I met out there, they were going to Croatia. They're going to the thing. I'm like, you know what? I've got to go along with because that just sounds like a whole bunch of fun. Plus oh, my first time, awesome, man. plus my first time getting out of the United States too. So I was like, yeah, yeah. good on you, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Look, I've been fortunate enough to have traveled, uh, traveled to the United States many, many times. I love the United States. Uh, I've been, I've performed in Chicago or close thereabouts four times previously on some uh, festival dates. So I love it, man. I've, been to some places that people have asked me why did you go there i went to um i performed in a place called joliet does that ring a bell joliet illinois yeah yep um so I, I performed uh at a festival there i played at a place called the uh the home bar does that ring a bell um yeah i think they i'm not arlington sure if they changed heights? the name to it. Is that arlington heights does that sound yeah yeah these are all yeah for everyone that's listening these are all uh suburbs or cities around chicago Gotcha. Yeah, cool. Um, so, 
yeah, I've seen a little bit of it. I, I, I really, um, but I, I love your city, man. I love the way it's, um, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in the city. I think I had two or three days and I love the, uh, just all the buildings, you know, I mean, you guys have got like a lot of the gargoyles and stuff like that. And it just looks cool. It reminds me of Batman. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Especially in like the bigger part of downtown Chicago, like they've got a lot of that. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Uh, really cool because Melbourne, the city that I'm from, it's a smaller city. I mean, Australia um, is a huge country in terms of uh, land size, but population wise, it's a, uh, it's probably one of our, uh, the whole of Australia is the equivalent population wise to the whole of Chicago, let's say. Um, so it's, uh, well, Illinois. Um, yeah, because we're a new country, obviously. Most people live on the outskirts of Australia. So it's very, very different. Yeah, well, because like on the outskirts, of course, you've got the ocean right over there. And naturally, yeah. when it comes to city planning and just people living in certain places, you're going to want to be close to a water source where if you go more inland, you go more towards the Australian outback, you're going to be dealing with a lot Desert. less water. Yeah. Yeah, absolute desert. Like, you know, pretty much um, it's, uh, we've got a red rock. We've got Uluru. <laughs> it is rock, um, as some people know it, um, in the middle of uh, uh, Australia. So, um, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I, lo I love uh, visiting uh, Chicago, man. Really cool. Good fun. So hopefully we're going to have to have you come back once this whole entire COVID pandemic thing is over because, I just want to, I, like, if you guys come to Chicago and I see anything pop up about Wicked Smile coming to Chicago or around there, because oh, for me, it's it's an hour and a half drive. That's nothing. Oh, cool, man. No, I'll put you on the list. Absolutely. Um, it'd be cool. I'm on the I, list. I love um, stuff like that, man, meeting people who've supported us. So, um, absolutely, man. Cheers. Well, and and for that, because, um, God, I got my list over on a different table, but I usually do this at the end of podcast. It's the first time I'm doing this at the beginning. But because of that, when you guys come back, come back to the United States, if I see you on the list anywhere, like in Chicago, Milwaukee, in Madison, Wisconsin, or in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, because I went to college up there, so I know a lot of people up there. If I see it, I'm going to show up. And I always promise this if, if you know, I'm really feeling it and already am. So I promise this. First round's on me. Ah, oh, cool, man. You got it, dude. And you know what they say about Australian drinkers? We're big drinkers, except I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. No, no, look, I, I, can, I could have a beer for sure. Uh, I'm probably the most un-rock and roll um, rocker from Australia because every band that I've played with, most of the band members all drink and I don't. So I'm very popular because they drink my drinks. You see? Oh. So, and, I, and I'm the you know, the designated driver and um, I get to, you know, record them being silly and having fun. It's, um, it's, you know, it has its uh, positives as well. So um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take you up on that for sure. You got it. Awesome. It probably has its positives, especially waking up the next morning and feeling a lot yeah. better than the other guys. Absolutely. And, you know, as I said, I've got the bribery of all the uh, recorded phone footage. Oh, that is good. <laughs> get a little blackmail going on there. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and and now that, but I, I knew I was going to get some wacky fact out of you and that was it. So, woo. Oh man, there's, there's a heap more. I, as I said before, I have played in um, rock and hard rock and metal bands for, for years. And uh, outside of um, my music, um, my day job um, for uh, three or four days a week I'm an elementary school teacher what well, we say primary school teacher but um, the equivalent for you guys kids between the age of about five to 11 
roughly. That that'd be elementary school for you guys. Yes, it would be. Yes, yes. So uh, I do that job, and um, I've had some funny stories where um, I've had uh, kids come up to me during the day um, because I'm a substitute teacher because of my music, because I travel and stuff a lot of the time. So I've had kids come to me and say, "My dad or mum wants to come and um, come and talk to you after school," and I'm thinking to myself. Okay, <laughs> if I've done anything wrong, and ninety-nine um, percent of the time, uh, maybe the one percent uh, they weren't happy with something, but ninety-nine percent of the time, it's really cool because they um, want to just say good day. They've got you know some of my um, music, and they want something signed, or you know, want to just chat rock or metal. So it's 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 cool. It's a good job. I really dig it. Plus, I mean, as as those kids grow up, and all of a sudden they realize that they were taught at one point by someone who was in a bunch of different rock and metal bands and now has formed a brand new one called Wicked Smile. I mean, like, eventually what's going to end up happening is, is these kids are going to look back and think, oh, man, this is this is insane. <laughs> uh, look, man, it's it's happened a couple of times. I've been, um, I've performed some shows and, you know, I have some, you know, kids come up to me and say, hey, you're, you know, Mr. Janevsky. And I say, yeah. And, um uh, and I say, you taught me when, you know, I was eight, you taught me how to draw Snoopy, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. And um, often also I'll bring in the guitar and I'll play some electric guitar stuff for the, for the kids because um, there's not many teachers doing that kind of thing. I guess uh, what I do is a little bit, um, it's out of the norm, I guess. I'm, you know, I'm a teacher as well as being a, uh, a rock and roller at night so it's a little bit like school of rock i guess but i'm a real teacher that guy wasn't a real teacher <laughs> oh he oh he was a teacher just wasn't certified by uh that's by the, right by the yes. <laughs> that's right he did teach him well though i gotta say um i like his uh he's uh yeah he's thinking yeah just yeah i, I still remember from watching that movie because it was like once they finally got in like the whole entire little montage of teaching the kids about music like you look at the chalkboard that jack black had it was like history yeah. rock and it had like all these different like subgenres yeah. of rock and metal and all these different bands for examples and i remember i paused it one time because i just wanted to just see how like how good this was and it, you looked That's at it so it was good. like yeah. anything yeah. from 70s 80s 90s rock and all the different subgenres that were in there they were up on that board Definitely, man. No, no. You can tell that they did their research and it was done well um, because they, they paid respect. And talk, speaking of paying respect, man, I've got to say it. Um, I'm wearing this, uh, one of his shirts today, um, R.O.P., to the, the greatest, Eddie Van Halen. Um, really affected me, and I'm sure, um, you know, he uh, has affected so many people um, all over the world in terms of it was a shock to uh, lose the great Eddie Van Halen. So, you know, cheers to the EVH. Yep, yep. Cheers to EVH. When it, I remember just like just even kind of the connection with me and EVH was um, like when I was a little kid, like I'm talking really, really little. It's like two, three years old. My dad had this like old stereo system back from like that he got maybe the mid to late 80s. And it was in our basement. Yeah. And it like the like the tower speakers, the the big cassette deck, CD player. I had one. I had one. <laughs> it, record player, everything like it, it just had the whole whole nine yards. And what we would do is we would go downstairs into the basement, and my dad would just put on a couple of CDs, like pick certain songs, and he always picked the same songs. We always got so we always got into them. 
And we would just like air guitar and just jam out and just blast the music through the, through the basement. My mom was never home at this point. So that's, that's a key. But the first song that he always played, and this is the first song I ever remembered the name to was the dream is over by Van Halen off of the, from off unlawful carnate, carnal knowledge album. Yeah. I, I was like, I know I'm going to mess that name up, but I still remember it. And I listened to it the, uh, on uh, Tuesday when, uh, when he passed, I, I put it on. I'm like, you know what? This just feels right. Yeah, cool. And look, I think it's awesome to hear stories of, you know, that you know that being the semi era because a lot of people are talking about the Dave Leroth era or the, you know, the the seventy eight era. Um, so no, that that's cool, man. It sounds like you got a rock and dad. You know, that's that's great education in itself. Oh yeah, from from that whole entire like loud music thing, it was always Van Halen, and then it was we went to ZZ Top's Eliminator. We played three songs off of that. And the thing that always got me was like, especially later on in, in life where it was, I looked at the songs we played. It was like Under Pressure, Sharp Dressed Man. So it's like, oh yeah, you know, good, good ZZ Top songs. But then the third song he'd play, I looking at it now, I'm like, I can't believe that he played this for my brother and I when I was like two or three years old, we would jam out to it. it was their song, I Got the Six. Because the chorus is, I've got the six, give me your nine. I didn't realize this until my cousin was getting married like five years ago. And... Yes. My brother was kind of sick, so I'm like, and we were in a hotel. So my brother was sick. My dad and I we were getting ready for the wedding, and I put it on. So I'm like, this yeah. is just hilarious. I got to do it. And then I finally realized like what the song is. I'm like, <laughs> are, are you serious? Dad? Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. He looked at yeah, me well, he's like, I'm the same. I mean, I'm obviously older than yourself, and um, like I've brought my kids up on music, and I mentioned earlier that my daughter Cassidy Parrish, she's a a singer. She's 17, and she's. Um, really making good steps um, with her music. So um, my kids have grown up with anything from, gosh, uh, Dio to Prince to Marvelous 3, Butch Walker to obviously Van Halen and, um, you know, just anything that's good, you know, good music and anything that would make them smile and give them happy. And I still remember my um, son also, you know, dressing up as Angus Young, you know, when he was four years old, um, you know, like people did back in the day. So it's, man you know music is is the best and it's a huge part of my life that's for sure it, it, music is the best because i always say this when it comes to music when it comes to describing certain things music always gives a tangible explanation to things that you cannot really explain so it's like feelings of happiness if you want to feel what it's like if you want to feel like what it is for me to feel happiness like listen to this song just fully get immersed in it and you're really gonna feel what it's like and it just yeah. is really yeah. good at explaining it definitely yeah and it's kind of hard to explain if people you know don't uh, don't uh, feel the same way sorry i'm just going to introduce my dog because he wants to exit my room right now come here, <laughs> come here. say good day come on i know this is not really a rock and roll professional but my <laughs> my poodle snoopy wants to exit the building one moment man Well, for everyone, that was Snoopy. But I, I, when it comes to being (laughs) rock and roll professional, trust me. When when I see animals walk through and dogs show up on the podcast, I'm never gonna complain because who doesn't want to see a dog? I mean, come on. Yeah, man. Well, it's kind of it's like we were mentioning about music before. I'm a huge animals lover, and um, you know, again, it's just the best. You know, and if you if you don't don't know, you don't know because. yeah, man, things like that touch me for sure. Oh, very much so. 
Well, now now, the, now that uh, Snoopy is out of the room, and now because <laughs> he can't hear us right now, let's jump into everything Wicked Smile, because that is exactly why we're here. So I want to know what, because you've been in plenty other bands before, so what uh-huh. was the inspiration to start Wicked Smile, and how did that all progress? Well, uh, I had been playing in a band called Black Majesty uh, for about gosh 20 years and that sounds like a long time it is a long time we released eight cds whilst i was in the band and uh last year i think it was about march 2019 i I said to the guys look i um yeah just just need to have a break and do something um different i'm just really flat out with because i play in about three or four bands already so um after 20 years, it was very challenging and very difficult to, to say to the guys, I was going to be leaving the band. And uh, we still remain best friends, by the way. So um, I'm a you know, firm believer of uh, just being honest and uh, the guys were cool. So that was um, really hard for me. And then I had no, um, it, it wasn't a plan to, to come out with um, something new and do Wicked Smile because I've already, um, and playing in a band called the Radio Sun. I'm playing in my daughter's band as well. So I play guitar in her band, uh, Cassidy Paris. And I also um, often play in a band called, uh, or solo band, Wicked, uh, uh, Paul Lane, apologies, who has played in bands like Danger Danger. And um, he's Canadian. So I've, I've toured the world with him and played lots of shows with him as well. So I'm, you know, I'm very uh, busy with my music. But anyway, um, come, you know, three or four months, I got the itch to just write some songs in uh, in a bit more of a different direction of just getting back to my roots of uh, more hard rock stuff, stuff that inspired me as a kid. Um, for me, when I was in year seven, Skid Row hit the scene and uh, I loved that debut Skid Row album. I loved the Slave to the Grind album. I wanted to get back to something like that uh, with that kind of influence as well as my other influences of Van Halen, Dio, Judas Priest, uh, Iron Maiden. And so I started writing these songs and I listened back to them. And I'm, a lot of musos will tell you this, that if you can listen to a song that you've written the next day and still think it's pretty cool, then hopefully it'll go all the way and stay in, um, uh, stay in the set and blah, blah, blah. So I... I had to listen to some of the material that I written and reflected on it and I liked it. And uh, then I started to get my friend Paul Lane involved and um, I asked if he could um, have a listen to the material and um, co-write some of the stuff. And from there, uh, it was it was just myself and Paul and Paul's my producer in Canada and I've done a lot of work with him in the past with my previous band, The Radio Sun. Uh, not previous, I'm still in the band, but um, previous work. Um, and I just uh, wanted to get his opinion on the stuff. He co-wrote some of the material and then it was time to find a singer in Australia. So I started searching out and thinking about singers and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for one of the best um, who I'd never worked with in the past and his name is Danny Ciccardi. And uh, Danny, um, I asked uh, a friend of mine, the singer of Black Majesty, to um, get in contact with him. As I said, we're still good mates. And uh, Danny heard the material and he loved it. And um, he sang the first uh, single, uh, We Fall. And from there, man, the rest is history. That happened in November and we released that uh, song in January and the response was awesome. So right around the world, uh, 
people who heard it, whether it be uh, on social media or us on the radio and internet radio and stuff, they loved it. Then from there now, we've released an EP that came out in July and uh, it's a four song EP. And more recently since then, we've just released uh, Wait for the Night. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. The fact that you've been playing for over 20 years and then also pl- still playing in a couple of different bands as well, including uh, working with your daughter as well with her music. So you still have that, you have like a family connection there as well. And you're yeah. also working with her and also seeing her music career develop alongside sure. yours continuing on as well. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that because of what I've um, been doing with my music, she and, and same thing with my uh, son, they have been to a lot of the venues that I've performed at. So uh, my daughter Cassidy, from the age of two years old, was at the Hard Rock Cafe in Melbourne, sitting on a, a chair watching me perform. So she knows no different. So she um, was very, very influenced um, in that way, learned a lot about um, what, you know, she made her own decisions and what she liked and stuff. And um, I taught her to play guitar at a young age and she's been performing since uh, since around the age of about eight or nine and then started singing when uh, late in uh, elementary school. So I think it was about 10 or 11 that she started, started singing. And then from there, she started writing her own songs and um, yeah, she's 17 years old uh, now and she's already released six singles with videos. Um, and it's a pretty big thing to do, I've got to say, for uh, you know any kid who's uh, making uh, or releasing uh, that many songs. I think it's, it's pretty ace, you know, so I'm super, you know, super proud of her. So it's really cool. Yeah, and even taking a look at Spotify right now because just because I have the Wicked Smile uh, profile pulled up and you look at the fans also like, like number uh, fourth down is your daughter. So oh, Cassie oh. Harris, there you go. Yeah, she's, um, yeah, and she loves the band. She loves, uh, she's singing a lot of these songs in, for, during rehearsals and stuff, you know, at home because we rehearse together. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just really cool. So she's, you know, uh, has learned heaps and now she's teaching me. So the wheel has turned. She's teaching me how to sing. <laughs> I'm a guitar player. I'm not much of a singer. Hey, but sometimes, you know, you can just pull out of nowhere and then start singing. Then you can end up like uh, Mark Tremonti where, you know, you take a look at Alter Bridge. I mean, of course, you got Miles Kenny's vocals, which are just always transcendent. But then yeah. on its couple of tracks where you hear Mark actually sing, it's just yeah. you kind of have this like stand back feel where you're like, wait a minute. Like Mark can really sing really well on a hard rock style track. Then he's got his own band as well. And I've seen them perform live and it was absolutely incredible just seeing oh, Tremonti wow, play cool. live. And also sing. And then before the shutdown happened, I got to yeah. see Alter Bridge play live. And it was it was funny because I'm, I'm always used to concerts where, I, you know, I'm used to mosh pits. I'm used to slamming into people. I'm used to getting hurt pretty much every single show. But for Alter Bridge, I was just like, I got to find a way to like, because no one's going to want to do that at this kind of a show. And I just wow. remember watching Mark Tremonti play. And I thought, I really don't understand how to play guitar. And then there's that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, and he started singing, right? Yeah, and he's, he's a guitar wizard, that's for sure. He's awesome. And uh, and I love the connection because was Wolfgang uh, Van Halen doing some stuff with Tremonti as well for a little bit? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so again, you know, it's just, yeah, really ace, really, really cool. And um, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to perform at lots of different uh, festivals around the world. And one of the, uh, one that stand, uh, stands out to me is when I performed at Varken Open Air. Have you heard of uh, Wacken, Varken? 
Um, uh, no, but I've heard of the Open Air Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, um, that's like the um, biggest heavy metal festival in the world. Well, um, it's That's how it's renowned for anyway. And, um, you know, like Iron Maiden, her headliners, and Judas Priest and, um, and so on, right? So, like, you know, huge. So we will build part of uh, this festival and there's about 200 bands on the bill over spanning over about four or five days and man the, you know the the uh the crowd the, the it just gave me you know shivers i had like you know <laughs> hairs were standing up you know it was just really really full on and uh i remember just uh and, and this is a small scale for me like you know, imagine you know have someone like eddie van halen or um you know the guys from iron maiden would feel you know just about to enter this huge audience but for me we were playing in front of a pretty big crowd and um, it was awesome, man. It's just the best feeling ever, you know? <laughs> um, so because I'd been doing it for a while, you just, I couldn't wait to get out there. So it was a different kind of nervous, you know? So yeah, man, it was, it was ace. It, it wasn't a nervous that you haven't done this before. It was a nervous of, I've been so excited and so, waiting for this to happen that I'm yeah, just, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just nervous because the fact of the matter is, is it's finally here and I want to make sure I do my best. Well, for sure. And you're backstage talking to your favorite artists, you know, like I can't remember saying to the guys, I got like that Sepultura next door, you know, I'm <laughs> like literally next door to our room is Sepultura um, when we're in uh, Czech Republic. And this, I could tell you so many stories, you know, like that we were um, performing um, in Sweden rock about two, three years ago, the, the singer of the radio son and myself. And uh, you've got like uh, man halloween playing and judas priest playing and uh iron maiden it was just it was surreal it really was because you're walking backstage and you're like oh my gosh that's rob helford you know the metal god <laughs> you know so yeah. um and you know just to be able to say good day and thank you to these people is man it was surreal it really was I, like i i loved it like i kind of get that feeling too when on a different aspect of it whereas with certain bands that i've talked to and worked with before when i get to see them perform live and get to meet them and then kind of shock them at the same time too because they're playing a show and then i've talked to them before i've worked them before but all of a sudden i show up i'm in the crowd and i'm just having a blast at the same time too it's just it's just always cool to be like to go up and say hi to them even during this time because there's some there've been some very very small shows during this whole entire uh pandemic COVID-19 yep. time with some of the bands that I've worked with. And I've, I've gone and gone to see them because it's like, well, they're trying to make sure that they continue on. They're trying to make sure that, that yeah, once this cool. is over, that they're still able, able to go and I want to show my support for them. So I show up, I'm like, I'm there. Even there's one I had to drive two hours for. There's one I had to drive three hours for to the middle cool. of absolute nowhere for two bands that I've actually worked with. And I showed up there and I, and like, there's like 15 people there when I finally got there. I'm like, this is kind of small. And all of a sudden that the bands came out, they're just like, Oh, it's Kevin. It's like, yeah, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. And you, you know what? Like, uh, and all artists, you know, big or small, they all appreciate it. I, I remember uh, performing in Wales in the United Kingdom at a festival called HRH uh, Fest and people who I've spoken to and become good friends with on Facebook or Instagram and uh, like you know, I'm, I'm on stage and I see people in the crowd, you know, and I, I, I like I really um, try and involve them. Like you know, I say you know, and I'll say to the singer, "Hey man, stop! This is you know, Andy. I've known this guy for you know eight years, and this is I'm meeting him for the first time. It's just unreal." And 
Um, you know, look, all bands, man, you know, and I, I like to think that all bands are really appreciative of anyone who supports you. And the same goes for you and what you do with your, you know, your, your radio podcasts and stuff. Yeah, especially when um, just seeing people send me certain things or send me their music or yeah. just tell me, or just like afterwards, just hearing people just say they had a great time on the podcast. That always just makes me feel inc- incredible due to the fact that I just want to make somewhere it's like, yeah, I can talk to all the bands that are really coming up in the scene and, you know, give everyone an in-depth look that they're, that they haven't gotten yet into these sure. bands, not only into their music, but also into just some of the fun stuff as well, because you got to always talk about the fun stuff. That's Absolutely. what makes life fun. But it's yeah. just hearing some of the, like the people, the fact that it's like, hey, we love being on. We'd love to do this again sometime soon. It's just like, yeah. Woo! <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So who are some of your favorite bands, Kevin? Um, uh, so my favorite band of all time is, uh, Rise Against, Chicago punk band. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and I know them. yeah I, I've definitely. seen them like shoot nine times maybe now. Um, trying to think of some wow. other ones. Well, as, as I'm wearing a, uh, Michael Myers t-shirt with a Mickey yeah. mouse hat and cause on the arms, which one yeah, I can pick either or, uh, on the arms, my sector band, ice nine kills the, uh, and then otherwise I've got like posts up here. I've got, uh, 30 seconds to Mars. Absolutely love disturbed. Um, let's see where else I got to take. I just take a look at my posters. Uh, I got data. Remember up here under oath, Foo Fighters, um, uh, motionless and white skillet. I mean, I could just go on and on and on with all yeah, the bands. falling in reverse. I got a box back there. That's with falling in reverse. So it's like, I, there's so many bands I like, but it's like when it comes down, like if there's a band, like, okay, if I can only go to one more show for the rest of my life, what, who would I go see? No doubt about it. I'm going to see rise against again. That's cool, man. No, I love it. And I love that you wear your influences on your sleeve, man, in terms of I know you're doing the radio gig and stuff and you got the posters, you got the shirt and stuff, man. That, that's cool. That's really, really cool. And not that, but like there's some other things here too. Like there's this, uh, I've got this skateboard deck right here from one of the bands that I've worked with. I went to go see him in the sh- at live, got the, got the skateboard deck. They signed it. I put up on the wall. I've got another skateboard deck from a different band that I've worked with before. I just don't have it hung up yet. I've got a, uh, let's see. I've got a signed drum head up in a different part of the room as well. So it's like, if I can support some of these, you know, more emerging bands in some way, I'm going to. Cool. That's cool, man. I wish more people had logic, you know, and thinking um, like you do, man. That's awesome. I, I wish more people did too, but especially now it's, I know, I know times are tough. There are things where, you know, money's tight due to the fact that some, a lot of stuff is being shut down and, Especially with yeah. like the the venues that people play at as well, a lot of these independent venues they're really struggling right now. And I've seen one of the biggest the biggest venue here in Milwaukee. They've been trying to do so many different things just to make some kind of money and just be, be able to stay a lot or stay afloat during this time. So for Halloween right now, they're doing these uh, small group tours of the uh, of of the facility because it's supposedly haunted. So. Gosh. They're cool. like small little groups. They're letting you go around and just kind of explore and just see what happens. And then um, what they also have done is they've taken all, because they've been in business for about 30 years. So a lot of bands have performed there. A lot of bands have give them, given them posters and have signed those posters. So they're putting cool. them up for auction and they're trying to make money that way. And yeah, yeah. I end up cool. getting one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. No, no, no. That, 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 that is totally cool. And I, um, I, I totally get it. We've been, very fortunate for the fact that Wicked Smile is a new band and we've had um, a really, really good response in regards to people buying our EP. I mean, we sold out of our first pressing, we're on to our second pressing and, um, you know, that's mind-blowing and we've had people be um, purchasing our T-shirts and our merch and stuff and, 
Um, it's the ultimate compliment, man. And I, look, we've been fortunate enough because Danny the singer and myself um, have been in you know, quite a few bands. So there's a little bit of a history and there's some fans who are obviously following what we're doing, which is awesome. But for people who are discovering us and uh, supporting what we do, I'll mention the other guys as well. We've got Glenn Cav on bass, who I actually, um, small world, because I went to high school with this guy. And um, when it was time to find a bass player, I... Uh, yeah, I, I contacted him and um, I played him the stuff and he, he was in and um, he's badass, man. He's unreal. So um, he's just such a such a cool person to have in the band. Like he's not only a great player, but he's uh, on stage. He's got his own aura and stuff. So, man, and that's what we're about because we're, we're, we're not only about, um, you know, recording the music, we play, you know, we perform. We, like we, we played a... A recent show even though um we're in lockdown we got permission to do a, a show that was um streamed um, by uh, a group called the new wave of classic rock and they st uh, streamed a concert of ours so we performed a, uh, a couple of songs and the response we got for that was amazing um we were told that we were the most popular downloaded band um uh, they've they've ever had for um for that the the series and stuff and it's just just really really cool and jason tyro on drums who's um uh, an ex uh london boy so um it, it's it just really really is and has worked out really really well for us um and we're really appreciative of the response we've had so far and i think you can attribute that to a couple of things as well one is especially with you and danny being in a couple of different bands before and that have seen success having those fans carry over as well and continue to support you because of how your music has touched their lives. So that's always a factor. Another factor too is, is you guys are putting out new stuff. You guys are putting yourselves out there and promoting yourselves, especially on social media during this time and doing those yeah. streams as well. So you're getting the word out about it. But then the third thing is, and you can't discount this. I mean, the, mu the music's gotta be good for people to download it. And well, yeah. It makes a lot yeah. of sense. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And look, absolutely. I'm a big believer in good songs and, um, you know, good musos, man. And um, particularly when Danny uh, agreed to be the singer of the band, not only did I get a, he's a fantastic person, but um, he's one of the best singers in Australia, if not the best for, for that style of, um, or genre of music. And in terms of looking the part, I don't know, have you seen a photo of the singer? I um I watched the uh the little the video like the streaming video that you guys had for Wait oh, for the Night cool. so I have seen what Danny looks like and he yeah, he man. totally his, looks the his part. His hair is um it, it's it goes down to his ankles like I'm not joking so he he has the longest hair in rock and roll I reckon um so he yeah man he he lives it and loves it and um good on him man. And because when I first listened to it too, first listening to Danny's vocals, like there's one name that came to mind in terms of just like the style that he reminded me of and just the same power. And that was Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. Like that, it, it was a, it was, at first I thought, is, 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 did they get Bruce to like just sing on the song or what the heck's going on here? And then I pull up, I'm like, nope, that is just Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, he, he obviously uh, he has influences of Iron Maiden um gosh judas priest um dio uh sabotage is another band he loves and um so yeah man he's learned from the best in many ways and um has he's become one of the best that's for sure so 
uh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm blessed to be working with him and so so happy that he's so easy to work with. Um, and I've been blessed in many ways because most of the singers that, um, that I've worked with um, in my time, they've all been good people as well. And like, I keep on hearing of stories of, you know, people, you know, people having, you know, lead singer disease, you know, as in you can't work with certain singers. I've been very, very fortunate that all the people I've worked with have been very, very easy to work with. Um, so yeah, that's been great. I have heard some stories of, you know, the lead singer disease, but more often than not from the bands that I've talked to and the, and the, and the musicians I've talked to, for the most part, that lead singer disease has never really affected them to where usually whoever they're working with, there's some sort of built-in relationship already there that really helps out to make sure that there's like a ch- like those checks and balances within a band where it's, you know, okay. if the, like whoever the lead singer is, they kind of don't get too much of like an ego or get too big in the head to the point where it's like they think they're more important. It's just there's always just like, okay, they're like they, they might be really good, but they also understand that it's also a band effort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look for us, we, uh, we, well, we are a band for sure, but um, there's no denying that um, Danny's a, a showstopper and people, you know, um, hear him and see him and he's definitely going to be a focal point, but off the stage, he's the, you know, one of the best dudes in rock and roll, you know? Um, so that's really important. Like you said, that if, if people, you know, understand their place and understand that it is a band, that's cool. But um, I've heard, you know, from other people or history in regards to people who've worked with certain singers being hard to work with. I don't get it personally. I don't understand it because you're meant to be working for the same thing, you know, the same goal. And when people, um, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, stuffing things up, you know, what they've worked so hard for. I don't get it when, you know, uh, they don't want to fight with each other. or So, yeah. Um, yeah, very, very lucky and fortunate. You know, it's like, t- take a look at sports as well, where there's times where you have an absolute superstar on the team. However, it's just the way, it's just sometimes like people just don't want to end up playing with them due to a, like just certain differences or because that other person, like they demand too much attention and it's just taking away from the rest of the team where they're making it more of an individual thing than about the whole entire team. However, especially in a team sport, if you want to win, the team's going to be the one that wins. It's the, always the best team that wins in the end. Absolutely. So. You got to come together and work as as one. Absolutely, always be better than the individual, than um, you know themselves and stuff like that. But look, man, you know, um, uh, most people get it. Some people don't, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, but no, nah, man, I, look, I'm absolutely over the moon in regards to the people I'm working with and the way that. Um, people have embraced Wicked Smile, you know, in this short amount of time. I mean, we're not even one year old yet. And uh, the response has been amazing. People are really, really looking forward to our debut album. And uh, it's it's a great feeling for people to really, really want an album or want to get an album from you. Or when people are buying merch, that, that speaks volumes to me, you know, because people are big fans of it. So that that's great. We've got to be doing something right, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, well, yeah, like I said earlier, it's like people are people are coming out supporting you. They're listening to the music. They're buying the merch. They're watching you guys on that live stream. They're downloading your stuff afterwards. I mean, it's 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 all in the numbers right there. It shows. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But ha- having said that, this is an interesting uh, topic to um, bring up, man. I'm a little bit uh, disillusioned the way things, um, how it's noticeable, and I've, I've read a lot about it, uh, about it as well, how some artists or people or managers or firms 
are rigging the system a little bit in regards to views. You know, I don't think that's cool. You know, like I, I sometimes have seen that some people have got these huge numbers on Spotify in terms of views. And then you go and have a look at them on YouTube or some um, another format and you think you've got five on this one. <laughs> like what's going on there? Have you heard of that? Do you, do you know where I'm coming from? I, I actually do know where you're coming from because it, it all depends upon just where people want to have their attention brought. So there's a lot of times yeah. where, where certain, um, and it's not necessarily the a lot of the management, it's a lot of different like the publications that are doing it or a lot of the management teams that are doing it where it's just, okay, yeah. we've got a certain song and we really want to make sure it gets, you know, a certain amount of hits on YouTube or on streams on Spotify, streams on Apple Music, just so that it's, so that like when, you know, when they're trying to potentially build themselves for maybe some, some festivals or for some shows like, Hey, we got this many people to show, to show here. However, one thing you always have to remember too is, is if you just have it on one, if you have it on one spot, so say YouTube, you've got a video and you've got like six, 7 million views on your music video. But then I jump over to Spotify and I take a look at your monthly listener count and it's like at 15. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of what 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 makes me yeah. curious is is why is there such a huge discrepancy in those numbers so yeah, the numbers do kind of show yeah. yeah it's quite bizarre and i'd like to think that we're consistent across the board and we're a new band so that we don't have huge huge numbers by any means but um i do know in terms of what we've sold in terms of uh hard product um via our mailing list or people who are writing to us via our store and then, you know, I do check the numbers on, you know, um, whether it be on YouTube or Spotify or the other platforms, and it's all pretty balanced out, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's a little bit unfair when, um, particularly from a kid's point of view, when, when you've got kids who think, you know what I mean, who think that that's what is really happening when somebody is either paying for those views or, I don't know, man, I just think that's a little bit confusing. It gets back to, for me, if you're good, you're good. You know, I mean, you can't fake not, you know, if you're not good, I mean, I know there are tricks, studio tricks and stuff like that, but um, good songs are always be good songs. And, you know, when you put a, a performer or a band live on stage, you know, the proof yeah. is in the pudding. <laughs> that, that's actually what I was going to go with too, because it's kind of the same thing for, in, in the terms of business as well, because when I kind of, st- when I started this whole entire thing, I was reading a lot of books from this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, just always talking about, like doing stuff for yourself, doing stuff that makes you happy, but then also talking about, okay, if you're going to be doing this in terms of business, how are you going to make this work? And when it comes to what he's always talking about is like honesty and being truthful and just being like, just being truthful about the whole entire thing, uh, deploying empathy, being honest, that's going to get you so much further in the end because at first, yeah, you're, you might see, so you might take two different bands, like, and one might be younger, one might be older, but that older one, they might end up all of a sudden, like, you know what I'm saying, being around for a little, like, two or three years. They might sure. end up just, like, really focusing in on, okay, we're going to put all this stuff on, we're going to put all these resources into YouTube so that we're going to get all these views. All of a sudden, they're, let's say they've got 7 million views, again, on a, a YouTube video. But on Spotify, they've only got, like, 20, 30 monthly streams where you've got a sure. different band where you look at their YouTube videos and they might have, let's say five, 6,000 uh, YouTube video uh, views. But then you look at their Spotify streams, they might be at 10, 15,000 a month. And and if they're putting their, you're trying to advertise equally on all platforms, that's going to speak a little bit more because then by the time it's like, okay, but 
when you go up, when you get, you know, going live and everything, it's going to be I've, different because that, yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that band that has 7 million views, but has 15 yeah. streams on Spotify. That's right. All of a sudden it's like, what, well, what it's like, why is there that difference? And all of a sudden you're going to see them go on stage and they're, and that proof is going to show because you know, you can't really fake it anymore. There's no, no fake right. environment on stage. It's that's that. And when people have tried to fake environments on stage, sometimes they have famously collapsed, especially more in pop music. And I mean, if yeah. you, I mean, Millie Vanilli is probably the perfect example of that. 100%, man. And, and that's the thing, the thing. You're right. Absolutely right. That, you know, you, I like to think also, I mean, I'm not trying to just toot my own horn, but I mean, for any artist that is, you know, quality out there, that if you can do it on an acoustic guitar, you know, with no, um, you know, big budget and, you know, it's just you and your guitar, you know, vocally, I mean, that's talent. Um, and I know there's different ways of, um you know, being an artist and stuff. I get that. But yeah, I've heard of some stories where people have also booked these crazy, you know, um, 100 date tours around, you know, um, around Europe and stuff. And when they, when I hear of people uh, or feedback, you know, like they were lucky to have one or two people in the audience, you know, just thinking to myself, yet, yet they've faked it to all the venue owners thinking that, that's going to work, you know, like it's going to come back to you sometime. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't make sense. Is it, is it just trying, you know, for the fact that they're trying to get signed to a major label or something? I don't get it. I don't know. You know it's a bit strange. I, I, I mean, in the end, I think it's just trying to find a way to basically promote themselves and make sure that they're seen to the world the best way it is in the year 2020. Because if you look back to the way back, how bands are promoted and put everything up back, let's say 30 years ago, I mean, it's yeah. completely different with bands sure. like that. You're not putting out really – people are starting to put out more singles instead yeah. of albums now just due to the fact that on streaming, then they're always constantly in rotation and everything is being promoted. So all of a sudden it's like because if you come out with a single once every three months, your name's going to constantly be refreshing yeah. on those playlists and yeah. it's going to be a different song every single time. Yeah. No, for sure. I, yeah. I hear you, but um, I, look, with anything and um, time, I think this is nothing new, but uh, it's yeah, it's just quite bizarre to me that, you know, like somebody or some firms must be making a heck of a lot of money out of, uh, you know, just making a, a, a computer that, you know, hits on, uh, you know, clicks on, you know, streams or whatever it be to make it appear as if the, the band or the, singer or is very popular but really they're not you know i find that strange well it's it's it's, i'll put it this way to kind of really summarize it's like in the short term there are things that people can do to really put that out there but in the long term especially in more of like a free market setting especially within the music industry because when you're trying to promote your music to people i mean it is free market people are gonna be able to choose what they want quality matters that's the thing it's gonna be quality matters so bands that are making music that you know maybe making a very similar style of music but they're doing it better than this other band is that have that has more promotion on them yeah that that smaller band in the end is going to end up coming out on top because more people are going to listen to that at you know all of a sudden it's going to get recognized all of a sudden in the long term they're going to start climbing up over that other band and next thing you know it's like 20 years down the line that original band that put so much money behind youtube got all those views they might still be a band they might be fine but they'll be opening up for that other band that's right. And the platforms will probably change. I mean, you know, it might not be Spotify next week. You know what I mean by that. Um, so things will always change. But it's just, 
Um, some people do, particularly the younger audience, they do listen with their eyes, you know, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, this band's got, you know, one zillion hits on Spotify. And um, and then, you know, I have, a, you know, do a little bit of research and I say, yeah, and they've only got five on YouTube. Now, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> right? um, so, like, YouTube is a, is a big player as well, right? So, surely it'd be a bit consistent. And I know that some sometimes people have got, uh, you know, they may put more effort into certain things, but, you know, if you're climbing the ladder, generally, most of the times, you're climbing pretty consistently. Yeah, so it's like if you had like a YouTube video, you get a YouTube because I've seen I've seen this from us other couple other bands where one of the couple of YouTube videos like they've ended up with two to three million views on their YouTube videos, and then all of a sudden you see on Spotify it's like okay, what's your monthly listener count at? And they just broke a hundred thousand. I'm like, okay, that makes more sense because this is hundred thousand times um this hundred thousand t- plays a month sure. that's happening, yeah. and then those are those views are views overall, and those numbers they can end up matching up like that. Like I totally understand that to the point where. Yeah. Or, or bands that have like, you know, I'll use uh, Falling in Reverse as an example. It's like, okay, you look at their song Popular Monster on YouTube. The video has almost 40 million views. On Spotify, it has over 55 million streams. But yeah, there's like, a, there's a big discrepancy there in the numbers. However, yes. it's in, in relative terms, that's very even. Yes, I, no, I, I hear. I hear. Absolutely. Yeah, just, um, no, it's a good talking point, I think. Absolutely. It, it's a good thing to think about, too, just because... When it comes to listening to music and when it comes to just seeing bands growing up and just going through and, you know, basically going from infancy to all of a sudden, you know, they're playing small gigs to maybe getting signed by a record label all of a sudden coming out with an album and then yep. starting to do b- bigger tours. Just seeing how that goes and just seeing how sometimes maybe sometimes things can be inflated to try and make it seem like they're doing better than they are. Yep. But in the yep. in the end, I mean, if people end up doing their due diligence. People end up really taking a look at this in the end. And all of a sudden, Oh yeah. 70, it's like 7 million views on YouTube, 15 streams on Spotify. Okay. That's a huge discrepancy. We're talking about here. <laughs> exactly. No, that's right. Well, that's the thing. That's what kind of makes me giggle a little bit. Um, but again, like you said before, man, you know, quality will always rise. Um, I just sometimes maybe because I'm a teacher as well. And I'm like, you know, kids are very vulnerable and they're influenced and stuff. And you've got things like peer pressure and stuff. I think it can get out of hand um, if it's sort of not hit on the head in some ways, but that's my opinion um, because, you know, you, you, you can get people losing the whole point of this. I mean, music's meant to be um, something that's fun and, um creative and uh, it's not meant to be i mean i know it's competitive i get that but it's um you can't fake it you know and so it seems like what i'm noticing some some bands are or some singers are and or performers or whatever it be instrumentalists yeah yeah and and, and in the time of the internet now it's there's people got cameras everywhere it's you're gonna end up getting exposed one way or another if you're faking but when but one thing i do want to mention is when you're talking about especially being a teacher with kids peer pressure i still remember back because this is when i was in elementary school about the same age that uh, you teach with kids about i was about 10 years old so i was in fourth grade at the time and i just started a new school and I really didn't, I really wasn't listening to the music that the kids were listening to that I went to school with now. It was, they were listening to whatever was popular today, where the stuff that I was listening to was the stuff that my dad was listening to. So I was always still listening to Van Halen's Easy Top, Rush, uh, Electric Light Orchestra. Like I was listening to that stuff. But then the peer pressure just to try and fit in, I started telling myself I have to like their stuff. And it wasn't until about, I got into middle school, it was about sixth grade, I was about 12 years old. And I thought, 
well, this is just a bunch of crap. Because yeah. it's just, I just wasn't enjoying it. Like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm the only reason I'm listening to this is because they're listening to it. Yeah. And I mean, like, I still go back to some of those songs and feel nostalgic. Like, I remember when this song came out in 2006 and how it, like, you listen to me now, it's like, oh, this yeah. song just yeah. sucks, but it's fun to listen to in that nostalgic sense. But then I'm like, you know what? I got to start, like, figuring out what do I like in music and listen to that because in the long run, that's going to make me happy. Sure, yes. everyone thought I was weird. And especially because I went to a Catholic school, um, they really didn't like the fact that my favorite band at the time was Disturbed. But, Oh, well, <laughs> good stuff. No, good on you, man. And look, I'm I, I in mean, no way am I trying to, um, you know, appear like I'm, you know, in, in the generation gap. I, I totally get it. Look, you know, I'm, you know, an older muso. But, um, for example, my daughter, she uh, campaigns for anti-bullying um, because she was bullied when she um, went into uh, high school, from elementary school into high school. People gave her a hard time for basically wanting to become a singer, you know? And for me, I know it sounds really old, but if you were a muso when you were in high school, for, for me, you were considered cool. Whereas these days with, I uh, guess, you know, the music shift and maybe rock music or, you know, heavy rock or whatever it be, uh, metal isn't as popular and it's not in the mainstream, then, you know, it, you become like a bit of an easy target. Kind of like what you mentioned, you know, like, yes, you can like a band called Disturbed and still go to a Catholic school, you know. Um, now, will uh, the hierarchy or the school like the idea of that? Maybe not. But, you know, good on you for standing up for what you, you're into. But it takes time for you to be able to stand up, right? Now, um, I, look, you know, I've, I've seen that as well. Like, you know, I see, you know, people get bullied for you know, their choice of uh, what they like. And man, you know, it's, it's not cool. And um, when you've got things like, uh, uh, I guess, you know, with social media, the way it is, there's pros and cons. So there's always going to be um, some really good sides and there's going to be some negative impacts as well. But it's just something I think, you know, that we need to watch. And um, hopefully, you know, most of the time, yeah, the uh, quality or the cream will always rise. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 not a fan of you know you know people or bands or performers faking it you know so um, I think that's a, a big issue and most record companies I think out there they they can see it you know and mo yeah. most um, people who are really really into their music they get it but in terms of the casual listener I don't know if they do you know um, they do they get like will a 15 year old um, or maybe even younger a 10 year old understand something like that you know that people are paying for these views or you know what i mean or it's interesting and one thing where i want to mention is because you're talking about that generational gap with you and what's going like with the artists that are really starting to come up now where that difference comes in to where i think really you still have a good major point to talk about with this is the fact that you your daughter's also in that generation is this generation while it's coming up and you're working with her playing guitar on her with her music as well. So you're yeah. seeing that you're seeing that in that same light as well with a younger artist. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And you know, it's um, like, I'll always encourage people who want to, you know, follow their dreams. You know, I'm a big fan of people doing um, stuff that makes them um, feel good or, you know, makes them happy and stuff. And, you know, it does take time, but uh, yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because, Again, kind of like um, getting back to what I said before, like my daughter was bullied more so when she was in year seven, year eight um, because of what she was trying to do. Whereas now being in year 12 um, and she's a 17 year old and, uh, you know, the kids are you know a bit more mature and stuff. She's in some ways considered 
cool now because you know oh she she's actually got you know six seven singles you know she's put out an ep she's performing uh she's actually pretty good you know what i mean <laughs> so you know um and then i just think to myself well those people who knocked her man you know um i don't know just uh think about yourself before you start trying to take someone else down you know that that kind of thing it's the teacher in me, Kevin. I can't help it. Hey, 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 <laughs> and the hey, parent in me. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I totally understand it. Don't worry, because I like that when I when I switched schools between fourth grade and eighth grade, I was bullied during that time as well. So I totally understand where it's coming from. However, yeah. and it's it's hard for especially kids in that age. It's hard for them to realize this certain aspect of it that I've realized now. And it's all because of life experience. They've only been on this earth for 10, 12 years. So they they only know that portion of it. They don't they they don't know what else is to come ahead. And one thing that I've noticed is is when you focus on yourself and focus on what makes you happy. So when it comes to music, if everyone's listening to hip hop and rap and you like rock and metal, listen to rock and metal because what's gonna and if if you want if if you like theater and the other kids like sports. Go out for theater, whatever it might be. It, Absolutely. The, the, the reason is, is because what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up enjoying yourself so much more that you're going to be happy. You're going to end up meeting people that also like the same things you do. And yeah. like what's happened, like what happened with your daughter is, and it's kind of what happened with me as well, especially now once I started this whole entire thing up and how much fun I'm having with it. It's we're doing, we're, do, we're doing with what we want to do in life where that's what we're going to do. And yeah people are going to gravitate towards that because and they think it's cool because now we're doing what we want to do and we're making it happen. And yeah. it's, and we're not letting them. And so it's like, Oh, that's cool because they're doing it. Yeah. And it's just, it, you're, if, so if you focus on making sure you do what, like you, you listen to what makes what you want to listen to, you are, are be a part of what you want to be a part of in the end, you're going to meeting people that also like to do that stuff. So you're going to end up making friends there, but not only that, but then the people that are picking on you and bullying you, they're not going to have any ammo because they're not going to be any, they're not going to affect you at all. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely, man. And, and well said. Absolutely. I just, yeah, I, I, I still and will always worry for those people who are bullied to the point. That's why I'm so proud of my daughter being an advocate for anti-bullying. And she goes and performs at schools like, you know, other than, you know, outside of her um, school, she'll go to perform at schools, talk to the kids about bullying um, and that's that's a, a cool thing, and it's a big person to be able to do that. And she's, um, you know, really, really, um, I'm very, very proud of her for that point. But it, it, I'm um, concerned for when people take things a little bit too far. You know, it's kind of like you know, if, if people are constantly bullied and bullied, or you know, um, you know, we've got tall poppy syndrome in Australia, where it seems like, let's say, uh, an international band. Uh, comes from overseas and performs in Australia. Yeah, very popular band, good band. They will um, sell out, do really well. And then there'll be an Australian artist who is a good band as well, don't really get much support at all. And the sad thing is, is that they often have to go outside of Australia to have success. And then they have huge success in Australia. Um, so, and, th and that's been a, a, like a common thing. I mean, I know in a different light, but, um, five seconds of summer, they went overseas to have their success and then they became huge in Australia. Whereas before that, Australia, you know, the, the industry didn't, get, um, get behind them or didn't support them, you know? So it's crazy. 
Isn't it the same thing that happened with Amity Affliction as well? Probably, yes, man. Um, and, and there's two other metalcore bands I'm seeing that happen with as well, one being Polaris and the other being Make Them Suffer. Yeah, well, look, I know, I know the bands you're talking about. And it's, I mean, I, I've been through a similar thing where I've toured um, Europe, you know, many, many times, you know, and, you know, as things have, you know, started to build up, um, you know, it's going well. But the sad thing is, is that uh, in Australia, you don't really get as much support. Now, I get the idea that we, population-wise, maybe we don't, you know, stand as big. But the thing is, is that um, it seems like it's it's a thing in Australia that you will. It's easy to knock people <laughs> or us go ah no, nah, uh, rather than support them, which is not cool. You know, I'm I'm not talking for all, of course. You know, because there are many supporters in Australia who are fantastic. But um, for many years. Uh, you know, if you draw a crowd in Australia of like 300, 400 at a club, that is massive. Um, and uh, but then again, that same band could be playing in Europe or in the United States of America to thousands. You know, <laughs> um, so it seems until uh, there's you know that that tick off. Oh, yeah, actually, they're doing really well overseas. Well, maybe we should support them. They actually are good. You know what I mean? It's crazy, man. It's just, I, I, I don't really like that sort of thinking. And one thing I've noticed when I've been to the United States is that um, a, a lot of the, my friends in America will tell me that they, you know, are happy to support, you know, their fellow Americans, you know, and I think that's cool. There's a lot of love of the country and stuff like that. I mean, you've got a flag in your room, man, and that's, that's ace. I think that's awesome. Um, whereas it doesn't seem like the scene does that in Australia, um, which is not cool. Yeah, and it's because I mean, shoot, there's been times where last year, all of a sudden, like I was going to concerts left and right, and it's just I would still try and go as early as possible because there's sometimes you know those those bands that are earlier on the bill, like they're like I, I want to see what they have to bring to the table. Even yeah, one yeah. of one of them I got to interview earlier, uh, like right before um, at the beginning of September, they're called Awake at Last. And I got to interview them, and then they were releasing a new single the day after I released the uh, interview, which was absolutely awesome. And I saw that, and I first found out about them when I saw them play live at the beginning of November of last year because they were opening up on this tour that had Light the Torch, Fit for a King, and Ice Nine Kills. And that was the first time I the first time I saw all four of those bands ever. So, I'm, I'm like, so that's that's cool, and that's the way I think, man. You know what I mean? As in, because you want to see the future before they become big, right? Or, you know, or you're taking them for, you know, um, the quality of, of what it is as opposed to, you know, uh, the amount of people who are there to see them, you know, and I think that's respect. But unfortunately, like I said before, some people listen with their eyes and, you know, and I know that will um, always be the case, but when there's things like bullying happening, you know, that's not cool. We've got to draw the line there, I think. Yeah, and, that, and that's like one thing with this podcast that I always that I wanted to do was once I started doing all the interviews was I want to find the bands that are you know people can get in on them now. So all of a sudden, by the time that people start you know seeing them with their like be like oh shoot like they've got all these different listeners they got all this different stuff going on we should probably get them now. No, get into them before that happens, and that's kind of yeah. the whole point of this. Yeah. Now, now what I love to speak to like what I love to speak to the bands that are bigger like what I love to speak to someone like Tim McArath from Rising Against. What I love to speak to David Draymond. Oh. Dave yes. Grawl. Absolutely, I would. However, yeah. if I ever get the chance to do that, I'm going to end up making it so it's like, okay, one time, like one podcast during the week is going to be for, you know, the big hitters. The other yeah. one, though, is going to still be for those bands that are going to be the biggest bands by the end of the decade, because that's what I absolutely love doing. I'm not going to stop it. Yeah, man. And that's and that's respect, you know, and look, it's 
it's cool that there are people like yourselves, you know, um, who are willing to do that. And um, in my book, man, that's high fives all around. <laughs> virtual high five. <laughs> that's it. Cheers. I will absolutely take that virtual high five. Do not worry about that. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, CV, I know you said you've got another interview that's going to start like sometime within the next like 10, 15 minutes. So I don't want to end up stepping on their toes as well. I want to make sure that that whoever you're interviewing with, that they have the time of day as well with you. So I know we really didn't get in the wait for the night, but for everyone, um, give it, go and listen to it because if you like anything that has like, feel like Dio, Judas Priest, Skid Row, Iron Maiden, I mean, again, Take a listen yeah. to the vocals on that track. I mean, you're yeah. going to take a listen and you're going to literally think Danny is Bruce Dickinson. It is incredible. So please, please, please go give it a listen. And well, I'll tell you guys how to find it, but I'm let Stevie get uh, some final words in there before we sign off. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for your support. Uh, if uh, you're out there and you want to check out the band, obviously we're uh, readily available um, on all the social media sites. Um, so if you want to drop us a message on uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever uh, format, check us out on YouTube, you know, um, give us a like, um, no peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. So um, yeah, thank you. And she's uh, from Australia. We could smile. All right. Well, th- thank you for me. Uh, thank you very much for being on CB and for everyone that was listening to when he was talking about, you know, follow him. Uh, make sure like you follow him on uh, Spotify streaming services, subscribe to their YouTube channel, send him a message on their social media pat- platforms. If you guys are wondering, well, how am I going to get to those? You know, let's let, let, can, do we have to search them up. You know what? I'm going to take this completely out of the out of the equation for you. Just take a look at the description on the YouTube video or if you're on Spotify, the podcast, Google podcast. Now, I believe they're calling it or iHeartRadio. Just take a look at the description of the episode. I'm going to have everything for Wicked Smile there. So it's a one click, one tap away. Make it super duper simple. And please, 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 please go have a listen to Wait for the Night because he's good. Thanks, man. Cheers. All righty. Cheers, Stevie. Uh, how about this? Catch you next time. G'day, mate. <laughs> well, 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 folks, that was my interview with Stevie from the band Wicked Smile out of Melbourne, Australia. And that was an incredible interview to have because, of course, we start talking about the band, but then also we have a conversation that just flows. And when it comes to the music scene, yeah, for a lot of you up and coming bands, this is another great one to make sure that you guys have listened to fully, especially the second half of that conversation. Because, yeah, we talk about bands where it's like, yeah, you know, you can see these massive bands, these bands, or not say these bands with massive views on YouTube, but like on streaming services, it's like completely lower in proportion. It's just like, well, that doesn't necessarily make any sense. But again, always remember to focus on what you want to do with your music and make sure you're producing the sound that you want to produce because that's where you're going to make quality music and quality always rises to the top. Do not fake it before you make it. Never fake it. Always be authentic. Also, make sure, you know, you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk on that too because he talks about a lot of that. Help me as well. So when it comes to Wicked Smile, again, take a look at the description. You're going to find all their stuff. And that's going to be for me today, guys. Thank you very much for watching and listening. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast, brought by MSOTD Rocks or Rock and Metal Thrive. And you guys know how I end every single one of these episodes with a big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah.